kumb.com. But um, anyway, I wanted to basically talk about um, the acid test. Obviously, this is your new book, um, which right. covers your career, your time at West Ham, um, which seems a lot longer than the than the you know the six or seven years that you were th- th- there for. You seem to cram so much in during that period. Yes, I did. Um, probably even having to start so early. You know, I mean, a lot of people wait a lot longer to have to break into the team, but I was able to get in probably less than a year after being there. You know. Yeah. So that was good. That was good. Okay, I, I thought we'd we'd begin the interview by guessing the the elephant out of the room. Um, for in in the at the beginning of your book, you confessed that before coming to West Ham, you were a Tottenham supporter. I was a Tottenham supporter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And and would you like yeah. to explain for the purposes of this interview to the readers uh, how that came about? Well, that was my mistake. You know, I mean, when you were a young <laughs> kid, that's all you saw was on television. So you know. Um, I mean, you, um, you you arrived in in the UK uh, via Heathrow in 1968 ahead of the 68-69 uh, season, and and uh, tell a, a a rather funny story about how you arrived in in England and there was nobody there to greet you. That's right. Yes, uh, we got all the days mixed up, you know. <laughs> and, and they have a new game on the Saturday, and I got in on a Sunday, you know. So. Yeah, the the club had apparently sent a telex advising you to to delay your flight by twenty four hours. Is that correct? And of course, once once you got to to the UK and d- discovered that uh, Upton Park was closed that day. Um, you tell a very a, a wonderful story about how you you met Jesse Charles, um, who yeah, who took yeah. you in um, despite not knowing anything about you. That's right, she did. Uh, she was a wonderful lady, and I'm glad you know I had the opportunity to spend the years that I did with her. Yeah, of course, and and then having settled into uh, you explain how you went back to live with the Charles family after staying elsewhere and also in a hotel um, but having established yourself uh, at West Ham and settled into life in England um, one of the other stories that I found re- uh, particularly amusing was how on the I think it was the 69-70 pre-season tour where the, the club uh, went to Bermuda and your right. your mum your mother ended up cooking the entire travelling party roast dinner that's true yeah she did she did <laughs> It's a lovely story, it really is. But of course, you 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 admit yourself that uh, you became a big fan of of the traditional English Sunday roast. Yes, I did. Um, yeah, roast beef and Yorkshire pudding <laughs> that I had at home lots of times. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy it, and I still enjoy it up until today. I, I wonder if if modern professional coaches would advise players uh, eat that on a, on a Sunday now, or or whether it be you know pasta uh, instead. Well, with the way some of the 
on the plane, someone will need to have a little speaker <laughs> and some <laughs> this, this is very true. This is very yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. So, because some of them seem to get pushed around so much, you know. That is true. You need to get some beef on them, you know. I, I think that's one thing, Clyde, that, um, you know, people certainly couldn't say about you that you were ever pushed around. You were... You, you, you said that you were quite slight when you arrived in England, but you became more physical. And I think that's certainly one of the attributes that, you know, a, a lot of West Ham supporters would, would, would remember you by. Uh, that you were quite a, a strong, burly, um, you know, forward in, in, in those times. Yeah, a lot of rules. I mean, you look at Jeff. Jeff was a big guy himself. And, yeah. You know, it helps to be at a good size, you know, when you're playing over here, because that really can't push you around. It's a lot Jeff, you know, and yeah. it definitely helps. So, of course, having uh, established yourself, um, you know, in, in the West Ham, um, into the squad, uh, you were given your debut um, against Arsenal, um, which I, I think it ended 1-1, was that right? Uh, what, what do you remember well, about that particular game, Clyde? Well, the most important thing was being told on a Monday that you are going to be playing when you come in to training that day, you know, and yeah. it was a great experience, you know, to finally get the first team game and play at home. And, uh, you know, we never got beaten and, you know, we gave off on the contest, you know. Yeah, yeah. And this would have been, I'm going, this so this was the Arsenal, around about when they did the double, right? When Charlie yeah, George was in the team. Charlie George, um, Ray Kennedy, John Redford, yeah. um, Peter Simpson, McClintock, all of them. What wonderful there, team. Yeah. Very strong yeah, team. Yeah. Um, and of yeah. course, uh, having made your, your debut against Arsenal, it wasn't too long before you, you managed to score your first goal for the Hammers, which came in a 4-2 uh, League Cup win against uh, Halifax. What do you remember about the, the goal itself, Clyde? I don't remember Halifax so much. I thought my first goals were against Burnley, but oh, okay, it was Halifax, you know. Yeah. It was Halifax, you know, and I remember going up there to play a little bit and I remember it was a tough, tough game because, you know, when you play the team down in the low divisions, they got nothing to lose and they were repaying at you, you know? Yes, yes. But we were able to get a result and uh, that was good, you know? Mm -hmm. Of course, um, something else that you talk about quite a lot, um, in fact, you, you dedicate an entire chapter to it in your book, um, right. it was, a, was a trip to another uh, northern ground, um, Blackpool. Um, of course, yes, yes. a hugely, hugely controversial um, issue in, in West Ham's history um, and something that you got dragged into um, pretty pretty innocently. Uh, would that be correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we all did because when you look back, the referee had told us that the game wasn't going to be played. Yeah. And, and for, um, in the morning when we were walking after being out, you know, the game put back on, you know. Yeah. And what topped it off, we got a good hiding from Blackpool. Tony Green, this day was brilliant. And the fact that the guys have been out. Yeah. You know, um, he came down hard on everybody. And I think it was the only one because the guy spoke up, you know, to say that I was the only one that wasn't drinking. You know, I was drinking ginger beer and wine. You know? Yeah, yeah. And the rest of them had a, one or two beers. I mean, it wasn't nothing other hand where they had like six or eight or anything like that sure. you know but I think the main thing was that the display on the field didn't help you know yes yes if, if perhaps if you would have won then it wouldn't have been an issue at all yeah if we would have won everybody would have been happy you know yeah, yeah. probably would have told us we won't be 
letters. You know? <laughs> and of course, it, it was it was it, it's been said since that Ron uh, Greenwood wanted to sack Bobby Moore, but but was was uh, told that he couldn't do that by the board. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he, you know, he had probably fallen out with him at that time. You know, and, yeah. um, that was just where he was probably trying to get rid of him. You know, but yeah, um, Bobby Moore is an institution, and he's passed on since, and people still talk about him. So absolutely, yeah. You know, you never get rid of Bobby Moore by staying part of You know, yeah. Even though he's gone, he's still living. You know. Uh huh. You, you, you said that um, you, you felt that Ron and Bobby had, had fallen out at, the, at that point. What, what would you attribute that to? I think the Blackpool thing was probably the main thing. You know, I think that was the main thing. And, um, you know, probably some disagreements that they had over the way the team was probably playing. Yeah. And, you know, um, uh, because at times we took a lot of chances, you know, and uh, sure. just... Maybe probably should have been sitting back and just wait. You know, we would go and attack, 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 and when you look, you know, the bottom will come out sometimes. You know? yeah. and that's what probably happened at mm. times to make that relationship uh, break up. You know. Yeah, and of course it was never the same for Bobby again, and, and he left three years later. And, and I think you, you again, in going back to the acid test, you talk about. How even though you didn't play in the game, it was very strange watching Bobby um, represent Fulham in the 1975 Cup final. Yeah, it was because um, he, as I tell everybody, he missed the West Ham to me. Yeah. You know, and whenever you talk about West Ham, Bobby's name for me is up there first in the light, you know. And uh, rightly so, because when you look and see what he achieved on the field for West Ham, it's tremendous, you know. And, um, I just felt getting towards the end that, you know, he, you know, got uh, even the wrong end, so to speak, you know. Sure, sure. Okay, I mean, moving back to, to, to your own career at West Ham, um, there, were, there was two very pivotal moments in, in British footballing history, really, that uh, even you yourself admit that weren't particularly um, picked up on at the time. Um, the, the first coming in October 1971 when you and A.D. Coker... Uh, lined up alongside each other in a game against Crystal Palace. And then, of course, um, perhaps more famously, um, on Good Friday the following year in 1972, um, you, Aidy and Clive Charles lined up against each other in a, in a, in a um, Good Friday game against Tottenham, which was, of, of course, yeah. the first time that three black players had ever re- represented uh, the same team in a, in a Division One side. Because the average age of the team was, what, 21, 22 at the time, Clyde? It was probably younger than that. That's because we're late because we had a few injuries, you know? Yeah. And uh, the people like John McDowell, I don't know, Kevin Mark played, um, um, Tommy Tiga, myself, Hexie Holland, Guy, um, Amy, there was a young team, you know, because of injuries, so... We still managed to beat Spurs 2-1 that day, you know, and that was a great result, you know, especially against a team like that and what the players they had, you know. Sure, sure. 
does it ever, given that you guys were the first three black players to, to, to be fielded in the same team, does it ever sort of slightly annoy you that so much is made of um, West Bromwich Alban and, and uh, you know, the three black guys there um, who are often mistakenly cited as the first three black players to represent a single team? Well, it doesn't annoy me. I mean, you've got to remember, history would always be able to tell the truth. I think the reason they talk about those three yeah. that much is because they played together a lot longer than we did. Of course, know? yeah, of course. Yeah, and that was the main thing. And the three of them were superb. They were brilliant players, you know. Yeah. The three of us could play as well. I mean, Clyde was a great left back and and even the great really striking, you know. It's sure. just unfortunate England never really got a chance to be free him because he left to go to the state of you know. Okay, uh-huh. I mean, uh, there were... During, I mean, during during that period, uh, the early nineteen seventies, there was some. Uh, of course, this was back in the day when um, cup ties uh, just went on with replays. There was no, you know, one replay and that was it, and then it's penalties. It was replay after replay after replay, and one of the most famous cup um, episodes that West Ham, I think, have ever been involved in in their history came in nineteen seventy two. I think it was the seventy two season against Stoke. Um, when of course Bobby Moore ended up in goal saving a penalty um, I think yeah. you they asked you to go in goal as well didn't they at some point but you you wanted to stay out and, and, and score what, what, what's your recollection of, of those games and, and you know do you think that um, it's a good thing or a bad thing that we no longer have continuous replays like that um, you know I mean it was a great game we played a great, great team Stoke you know, and it was unfortunate that Bobby um, Ferguson got injured because I think if he had got injured, you know, with Bobby on the team, I think he probably would have won. You know, but it wasn't to be, and you know, you have to accept it and you know just go on. You know, we were yeah. all disappointed at the time because we wanted to win, uh-huh. and we probably, you know, just um, had the penalty saved by Gordon Banks in the. And, and do you do you think that the that, that it's a shame that the format has now been scrapped and that you know we we no longer have uh, replays until the game's decided and you know penalties instead? Do you think that's that's sad in a way? Yeah, I like the replays myself because yeah. you know it's a lot harder to get to finals, you know, and to just have penalty kicks after it, you know, to me it takes the uh, spice out of it a little bit, you know. Yes, absolutely. And, I think if you're going to replay and have a new game, you know, rather than uh, uh, go straight into penalties, you know, because yeah. the penalties anybody can win, you know. Sure, sure. Of course, when when West Ham did eventually get to uh, a cup final. Um, sadly, you weren't involved. Um, the, the, of course, John Lyle had succeeded Ron um, by then. Right. And this of course, yeah. is the 1975 Cup final when uh, Alan Taylor uh, came in right. and scored in every round, didn't he, from the quarterfinal onwards. How, how did that feel, having sort of spent five or six years at the club, you know, sort of getting oh, yourself yeah. to a position where you were the main striker and then having to sit and watch that happen? Well, I mean, anybody in the right mind wants to play in the Cup final, you know. Yeah. 
not being involved, especially after being involved in the quarterfinal, with myself and Taxi Holland there in position more or less for the same uh, place, you know? And yeah. Taxi scored in the quarterfinal. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I made the goal for Taxi, and, um, you know, I was there for Taxi, they was able to play, but I wasn't the right to play too, but it wasn't the thing, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, only a fool is going to tell you that and did you did, did did you did that leave a, any bitterness in your you know with you with regards to your time at West Ham and, and John Lyle perhaps well I think not really bitterness you know at the time you are you are mad yes you know and you as a professional you have to evaluate your fame you know I mean you have to look at the team to see hey Am I going to be a regular in the team, or am I going to just sit there yeah. and, and wait for things to happen? You know, I didn't like that. You know, I mean, I wanted to play, and if it meant me going away to the States like I did, you know, I had to do it, you know, because I wasn't prepared to just sit there and, you know, be paid for doing nothing, you know? And of course, uh, you, you left for, for the States almost. Yeah. I think it was that summer, yeah. was it? It was that year following the cup final. You pretty much decided straight away yeah. you were going on loan, yeah. but then they made the deal permanent eventually. Is that correct? Yes, I had, a, I had an offer from the States. I went the first year in 75, and then in permanent, I went in 76. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, just a, something else I wanted to touch on briefly. And again, it's something you refer to in the acid test. Um, Billy Bonds. Obviously, by that time, had become captain at the club and went on to be to have a huge influence at West Ham over the next twenty years. Um, again, one of the most controversial incidents of that period um, relates to the, the the Ted McDougall incident. Now, we know that Ted was brought in from Man- Manchester United, but uh, Bobby and Ted didn't see eye to eye, um, and this um, this sort of came to a head. Was it during a training session? I think it came to a head when it leads one day. Yeah. and we had to walk a soccer and at the time, at the end of the game, when we were getting a bar, you know, Billy thought Ted was doing really enough. Yeah. And he went for him, he went for him, and Billy was that type of person, you know, he was a, you know, a great guy, I mean, I love Billy to death, but if you cut him short, he's going to let you know, you know, and, sure. uh, he's done that with Ted, you know, mm-hmm. um, the job we were there to come in the rank, and come in the and of yeah. course there was only one winner and, and Ted left soon after yes 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 well you know um, you know no disrespect to Ted you know this, he did we paid a lot of money for him and he was expected to school goals and we expected him to school goals and it just didn't happen and Sometimes that sort of stuff happens, you know. Sure, sure. It's football, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I guess these yeah, things right. goes on. Uh, right. Some of the other things, Clyde, I just wanted to touch on briefly, if, if I may, for, for the next couple of minutes or so. Um, one thing I found very interesting that I don't think anybody's ever touched on before, but in, in the book you suggest that uh, Ron Greenwood should perhaps have um, managed abroad at some point. Yeah, I think he was I mean... He was fantastic with some of these ideas of the way the game should be played. Yeah. I mean, if you look at West Ham and you see how he had us playing, and, you know, that's why they call it, you know, the academy, you know, because a lot of the things that he 
put forward and a lot of the players that came through the system. Yes, yeah. The club never had a lot of money in them days, and most of us uh, who came through the club, I mean, you look at the team that we had, um, that 71 year, you know, majority of us that come through the club system. And yes. And he was, a, you know, him and John, you know, uh, were a part of that, you know, because of the way they thought the game should be played and the way they had us playing, and I think that's the right way to play. I mean, to entertain the crowd, and we've done that. I thought very well, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. Obviously, one thing that, that blighted your career, especially in England, um, I didn't want to spend too much time on, on this particular aspect, but I think it's, it's important we touch on it, on it. but obviously the, the issue of racism. Um, now, you, you claim in your book that um, you, you seem to experience greater problems in, in the North, and I think especially Everton and Leicester, you, you had particular problems at. Um, but, but you said you had few problems with West Ham um, fans themselves. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't notice the West Ham fans the grief or anything like that. Um, what I will say to you about the West Ham fans is that as long as you give them the effort that they look for, they're going to be happy. Sure. If you don't do that, they're going to get on to you. And all of us at some time and some point in our life the West Ham fans have given us a You know, I mean, it's happened, I see it happened to Trevor, it's happened to Harry, it's happened to Frank, everybody. Yes. But you've got to be coming forward and let and see that at least you're trying. Uh-huh. You know, so, and I thought I you know, gave my best in all times and, and tried. And people and certainly appreciated that, yeah. The fans certainly yeah. did. Um, and but- I learned that from Billy Bunch, you know, because that's what he's done. I think I think also what 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 I found particularly um, what stood out in your book was that you said that you felt that you were kind of a trailblazer in some way for for the generations that w- that would come after you in terms of being a black player in the UK. Well, I I think so more now than I probably did before because yeah. when you listen to the black players talk or if I speak to them, a lot of them are grateful for what I have done for them in the game, and that's a nice compliment to add, you know. Sure. Sure. Yeah. In terms of sort of things have obviously improved hugely in in the UK, but uh, again, as you mentioned in the book, it's it's perhaps not the case elsewhere. Um, you know, around the globe, you mentioned that East Europe. There's still major issues there. How do you feel about um, the, the FIFA holding the the World Cup in Russia in 2018? Well, if you look at the the way they've been active, the Russians, you know, in the world affairs, here recently, you know, you know, it might not be such a good thing, you know, and yeah. with all the doping with their athletes and stuff like that, and just the way some of the teams treat players of color when they've been there to play, you know, that's not the treatment FIFA we have to come to work with, you know, because, you know, that to me, that's not a place to go and let the players play and experience that, because you're going to have players from all different backgrounds and all different colors going to Russia, you know. Yeah. And I just think that people are able to behave themselves in the right manner, you know. Sure. And of course, again, you're, you're very critical of FIFA as, a, as an organization, and especially um, Jack Warner. Um, who I think you describe as a crook and, and one of the most self-serving and corrupt officials in the game's history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, the game should never allow people like that to be involved because the game is about the players. The players make the game, not the directors, you know. Um, yeah. 
you know, when you have people that are going to be taking money and using it for their own course yeah. and not putting it into the game to help the players, you know, that's, that's a no-no to me. You know, as I said, the players should always come first and not those sort of people, you know, because most of them probably never even played the game. You know, sure, yeah. self care of themselves, you know, and I, I, I don't like that. And that's not good. Sure. And I think we need to do more for the young people, you know, um, that have problems. You know, football can do stuff like that and touch that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look and see what's going on in the world right now and a place like Aleppo and Yemen, yeah, those poor kids never have to come into the world. Sure. You know, you know, it's our duty as human beings and people to be able to do something for those people, you know, and football can touch so many different avenues and ways of life. And there's tons of money in football today. And it wouldn't hurt FIFA to put games on so them kids could be looked after in a sure. better fashion. Okay. You, you also, in talking about children and, and the next generation of footballers, you're, you're, you're also quite critical of, of players like Diego Costa, who you feel set a bad example. Well, to me, I, I see in the paper now he's supposed to be uh, a new person, you know, who, because he's supposed to be being aged himself. But I think players have to understand that when you ask them out and you're doing it in the wrong manner, Young people are watching it. Yeah. So if they see you do it, they're going to take it themselves. If we even cost can do it, I can do it too. That doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know, so you as a human being, if you're going to play professional sport, you have to carry yourself a certain way. Sure. And it's very important because whether you like it or not, you are a role model for somebody. And they're going to like it. Uh, that, that neatly brings me back on to, to my final um, question, um, if I may ask you one more, Clive, um, which regards Bobby Moore, of course, who, as you mentioned throughout your book, is a, is a great friend and a, and a, and a teammate. Um, but you, you say that in your book it would be a good idea if he was given a posthumous knighthood for his services to football. Well, when you look and see everybody else that hasn't been through football, don't you think it's only right that you should have? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree. Absolutely. Yeah, he, he, you know, he's been the greatest football player, the only English captain to lift the World Cup. Yeah. I mean, that alone, I mean, we got people that haven't done nowhere near that, and they've got courage, you know? Yes. So, in my eyes, he would always be Sir Bobby Moore, and it's only right and fitting that the policy to be as as well as um, Bobby and um, Ron Greenwood and John Lyle at West Ham one other individual you mentioned as, as being a, a lifelong friend and obviously someone we lost fairly recently at the club is, is Ernie Gregory um, who spent more yeah. I, th- I think Ernie was at the club for 51 years more than anybody else in its history um, how, how close were you and Ernie uh, during your time there?
done so much for you and meant so much. And we always made sure that we gave 100% when we played in the reserves. We, you know, he was just a great individual, you know, and a person that, you know, the club would definitely miss, you know, because he yeah. was an unbelievable person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Finally, Clyde, um, do you enjoy coming back to West Ham? I mean, it, it seems that you're a, a hugely popular figure when you come back. Is it something you look forward to? Well, I love it. I mean, my heart is so. If you cut me out, most everybody has red blood. <laughs> my blood is clarity and blue. That's what I believe. <laughs> I believe it. And I love, I love the area. I love the people, you know. And what I really love about the people at the West Ham they're plain, simple people, and they appreciate you as long as you do the right thing, you know. And um, I would always be indebted to this area, and it would always be my second home, you know. Yeah, that's lovely, lovely to hear, Clyde. And on behalf of all the West Ham fans that have you know, watched you over the years and continue to watch your, the videos of you uh, scoring goals in the 70s, can I just say thank you? We could certainly do with you and Jeff up front right now, that's for sure, yeah. yeah. Oh that's that's lovely, lovely. Well thank you very much for your time, Clyde, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your trip in, in the UK and hopefully we'll speak again soon in the future sometime. I hope so, and uh, have a good Christmas, eh? I will do, you too. Thank you, my friend. Okay, mate. Goodbye, uh, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.